Good morning, church. How are you guys doing? Uh, hi. <laughs> so that second song we did, Scandalous Grace, I love that song. And it's like, grace is so scandalous, right? It just doesn't make sense. Like something, to give something grace, like it has to have a value or there would be no point to it. And Jesus, like on his time on earth, like constantly was doing things that were considered scandalous. Like if you've been with us through this time when we've been talking about the book of Luke, the Pharisees were always mad at Jesus. He touched lepers, which he shouldn't, who, who he shouldn't have touched, that made him unclean. He healed on the Sabbath. He traveled on the Sabbath. He cast demons out of somebody, which, and then cast that demon into pigs. That's like a big loss of bacon, don't you think? <laughs> I heard this really bad church joke one time where the pastor was referring to that as bacon gate. <laughs> and it kind of stuck with me, so. <laughs> but he just constantly healed people who were hurting, whose society thought they were worthless, whose society saw as having no value. He told people that he, their sins were forgiven. Constantly, just so scandalous, so scandalous. And the most scandalous thing is he died on the cross for us. For nothing we did, not that we deserved it, because, you know, when we look in the mirror, we know ourselves, we know we don't. And it's just so scandalous. And what we're talking about today, there's two people that was also viewed as very scandalous. There's a woman who had, the Bible says it had a, she had a flow of blood, some sort of gynecological problem, for 12 years. It's a long time. Often those kind of things are just super painful. They, don't have, they didn't have modern medicine. They couldn't give her blood. They couldn't give her medicine to help stop the bleeding. They couldn't do any of that. And she was just looked at as an outcast. Because during that time when you had a chronic illness, a chronic disease, you did something wrong. Your parents did something wrong. You have no value. So she was just set off to the side. And the other person in the story is a little girl, 12 years old. She was the daughter of somebody important. She had a good life. She had sunshine. She, everything was good. And then she died. And in that culture, like women or girls did not have a whole lot of value. It was the boys who had the value during that time. They were the heirs. They took care of the family when they were grown. Like they were... The, you know, got everything when, when the father passed away. So there's two people in this culture who had very little value, and Jesus, as we're going to talk through this, showed how much value that they had. Because if we weren't valuable to God, we wouldn't have blessings. We wouldn't have a relationship with him. We wouldn't have good things because there'd be no point. And just like back then, today we get what's valuable wrong, what's valuable in people. We look at what they look like or what they're born into or what their job is or how much money they have. And maybe some social media status, how many followers we got on social media. And we get it wrong. Because God looks at us for our true value, our eternal value. Our, eternal, our value is in he made us sons and daughters of him. And some of us, we know ourselves. We've done some pretty cool things that other people can't see. 
And we've also had done some things or had things happen to us that are not so cool that would decrease our value in the sight of ourselves and on the sight of other people. And another thing that can be used for good or bad that doesn't change its value is money. Money can be used for good or bad, right? Like I got a, a $10 bill here. I, preferred, I would have preferred to use this uh, gold coin for this illustration, but I don't happen to have any of those lying around. But it's $10, face value. I know there's a lot of stuff going on with inflation and stuff like that. We're going to pretend like that's not happening. So it says $10 on here. And this, you know, it's kind of crinkled up. Looks like it got wet. Maybe had some coffee spilt on it. You know, on the outside, like, it just, if it were just a piece of paper, we'd throw it in the trash, right? But it says it's worth $10. It's got value. And this could have been used for any number of things. Could have been used for good things. Could have been given to a church or a charity and used to, towards their vision and mission. It could have been bought, used to buy lunch for somebody who was hungry. Maybe not today, but back in the day. Could have bought coffee for a friend who was hurting. Could have been given to the poor and used for what they need it for. Could have been used for good things. But also it could have been used for things that are not so good. It could have been used to feed an addiction. Sex trafficking. Could have been used for just things that aren't good. But that doesn't change the fact that this is worth $10 at all. And that's how God sees each and every one of us for what we're actually worth, not what we do, what we look like, or what we've been through, or what we see when we look in the mirror. You're a 10 to God. Say it out loud. You're, I'm a 10. All right. I would say have you guys look at somebody else and say you're a 10, but I usually work with like the high schoolers and junior hires, and I know some of the boys that would make that really creepy really quick. So I'm not going to ask you guys to do that. So today, we're going to be looking at Luke chapter 8, verses 40 through 56. Woo! It is <laughs> it's a big chunk of scripture, so I'm not going to read it all out loud to you at once. But for context, it says that Jesus had just returned and there was a crowd waiting for him. So the last two weeks, last week, Ernie talked about the guy that uh, had the demon possession, that he cast the demon out of the guy. So the people in the crowd had no idea that Jesus had cast a demon out. They had no idea that Jesus had shown that he has power over demons, over evil spirits. And the week before that, Ernie talked about the storm and how all the disciples were like, we're going to die, this is freaking us out. And these people that were in the crowd that were waiting had no idea that Jesus had power over the physical world to stop the storm. So they'd just gotten back. The disciples' heads were probably spinning. And I, I don't know how you guys, like, it's very easy to look at Scripture and see Jesus is very stoic and very just kind of all about the business and just doing his thing all the time. And I have started to look at him being, he kind of teases the disciples. He messes with them a little bit. And I think they may have had a little bit of apprehension when they got in the boat to go to the, to come back to um, where he's at now. And I just kind of picture Jesus being like, man, I'm tired. You guys mind if I take a nap? 
And the disciples be like, no, 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 don't, don't. Do not fall asleep, please. You know, and they're all rowing as fast as they can to get across the lake. And just picture Jesus kind of standing, sitting on the front of the boat, just like nodding off and laughing to himself because the disciples start pedal, rowing faster as, they, as he, they see him start to nod off. <laughs> this crowd had no idea these two awesome things that he had just done. That the power he had over the physical world, over demons. And today we're going to talk about how he has power over what's clean and what's unclean and power over death. And it says uh, also that uh, when he got there, a man named Jairus, or Jairus fell on his knee, knees before Jesus and, sa and said, please come heal my daughter, she's dying. And Jesus just, just got back from a trip, did some cool stuff, and he's like, all right, let's go. He saw the value in that little girl immediately. He was like, all right, yeah, let's go heal her. Whatever other plans he had, whatever the disciples were leading Jesus to do so they could get some rest, Jesus is like, all right, let's go heal this little girl. And I could preach a whole sermon on just on this little piece, but never underestimate the power in seeking God on behalf of others. And never underestimate the power when others seek God on behalf of you. A lot of us are here today or have loved ones here today because we or someone else sought God for us or for you. So I want you to picture this scene with me. They're in this town. There's a bunch of people there. They're cheering. They're yelling. They're try trying to touch Jesus. Jesus like like a big-time celebrity. Jesus' disciples are walking with him. And just imagine with me that you're maybe part of that crew a little bit where you're following behind Jesus and his disciples. You kind of see what's going on. And Jesus is walking through the crowd, walking down the street, and he's, he's just smiling. And he's looking around, and, you know, the little girl's dad's probably in a super big hurry, so he probably keeps looking at Jesus like, come on. And Jesus is just, he's just doing his thing. And as Jesus is walking, maybe his pace slows a little bit, and he looks in one section of the crowd and just narrows his eyes a little bit. Maybe slows his pace just a little bit. And you kind of get a glimpse of a woman standing there who looks terrified, but he, you don't really pay that much attention to it. And you just continue walking. And you hear somebody trying to get through the crowd, just like everybody else, but there's a voice a little more distinct. And she's pushing through, and she's, you get kind of see her, and she's bent over, maybe like she's in a lot of pain, like she's in, just in so much pain she can't stand up right. And she's try, desperately trying to catch up with Jesus. And you see a pale, thin hand reach out and grab a hold of Jesus' robe. And you don't know what it is, but something happens. Like, you know something happens. And Jesus just stops. And that little hand and that little person just kind of disappears back into the crowd. And Jesus says, who touched me? And Jesus, I think Jesus knew who touched him. He knew everything that was going on. But I think he, he had a purpose in calling out this woman who had faith to know that if I just touch him, I'm going to be healed. And it says in Luke 8, 45 through 48. And Jesus said, who was it that touched me? And when all denied it, Peter said, 
Master, the crowds surround you and are pressing in on you. But Jesus said, Someone touched me, for I perceive that power has gone out from me. And when the woman saw that she was not hidden, she came trembling and falling down before him and declared in the presence of all the people why she had touched him and how she had been immediately healed. And he said to her, Daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace. As I imagine this story in my head, or imagine like maybe even being there, I think when Jesus stopped, he was smiling. I think maybe being a little playful, you would play with like a two-year-old and they tap you on the shoulder and you're like, who touched me? And they're like, oh, it wasn't me, it wasn't me. And then they do it again. Jesus knew. But he valued this woman so much that he had to publicly address her. And keep in mind that since she was unclean because of her illness, according to the Mosaic law, her being there, anybody she brushed up against while she was trying to get to Jesus, touching Jesus, any of that, she could have been stoned. Like it was literally a death sentence for her to have gone there, to have pushed through the crowd, to have touched Jesus. And there may have even been people in the crowd like bending down to pick up some stones just waiting to see what Jesus would do. she was an outcast. She was unclean. She was considered a sinner. But Jesus, she falls before Jesus, and Jesus looks at her and smiles and says, daughter. Not only did he want her to be healed, he wanted to define her identity in him. And that there's so much weight to him calling her daughter, because in that culture, like maybe even her own father denied her because of what was going on with her. And Jesus was like, daughter. And I think another reason why Jesus wanted to publicly address her and call her daughter and say, you're healed, your faith has made you well, is he valued her so much that he wanted her to know that she was going to be accepted back into the community. He wanted the people there to hear him say, daughter, you're healed. So that the people there would be like, okay, we need to bring her back in with us. We need to help her find a place to live. We need to help her with her needs. Bring her back to synagogue for the first time in 12 years. The community needed to know how, that she was healed and how much Jesus loved her and how much he valued her. And this woman, she was so focused on Jesus that even though all the people had the right, the opportunity, the power to kill her, she didn't care about any of them. She wasn't looking at any of them. She was 100% focused on Jesus, 100%. That all she cared about was him and what he thought and what he had to say. And when you're doing what God has placed on your heart and you're only afraid of God and only care about what he thinks, you're doing it right. And you're literally in the company of people who have changed the world. 
Jesus has power over what is clean and what is unclean. So that brings us to Luke 8, 49 through 50. It says, while he was still speaking, someone from the ruler's house came and said, your daughter is dead. Do not trouble the teacher anymore. But Jesus, on hearing this, answered him, do not fear, only believe and she will be well. Couldn't imagine being told that as a father to six. Couldn't imagine. Just absolutely devastating. And the, dad, the father had already started doing the right thing. He was pursuing Jesus for his daughter, on behalf of his daughter. Probably seeing what Jesus was, Jesus was walking not as quickly as he wanted. And I'm like, come on, come on. Like how often do we do that to God when we need something or want something and make a request of him? And then we're like, come on, this isn't. This isn't going as fast as I want. Come on, Lord. Like, I got it all worked out, and this is how it should go. And I just want to say, just because things that are immensely important, just because they're delayed, does not mean they're forgotten by God. They're not forgotten. I get that battled depression starting when I was 13 and just within like the last two years kind of just I don't know what I did I just kept seeking God kept thanking God that depression didn't beat me and suddenly it was just it was just gone and there's things maybe some of you guys are battling and it's like God like why is this taking so long why the delay this is important. This is, um, it's hurting. It's killing me. It's, or it's, it's hurting this other person. It's killing this other person. And it's not forgotten. Sometimes I know it's super hard to understand, if not impossible to understand when delays happen. But it is not forgotten. And Jesus, and they said, do not trouble the teacher anymore. Whoever brought that message to the dad was, he saw finality in death. He saw finality in that. He couldn't, he didn't know what Jesus did or didn't know, think Jesus would do it in this situation. We don't know what the circumstances are for the little girl. And Jesus is like, no, no, no. Do not fear, only believe, and she will be well. It's, it's those things delayed but not forgotten God just help us to have more faith in you take away my fear help me to continue moving forward in the direction you want me to go help my unbelief there's an awesome story in another one of the gospels where a dad is desperately wants his kid to be healed and he's like Jesus I believe help my unbelief we've got things in our lives where we're like help my unbelief And the dad, between 
just the horrible emotions and the brokenheartedness and probably fell onto the ground and had to be help, helped up, they continued on to his house. And there's a little part of us probably like, all right, that's easy for Jesus to say. Just believe. Don't be afraid. Just believe. And it's like, all right, Lord, that's your God. That's easy for you to say. It was delayed, but most definitely not forgotten. In verses 51 through 56, it says, And when he came to the house, he allowed no one to enter with him except Peter and John and James, and the father and mother of the child. And all were weeping and mourning for her. But he said, Do not weep, for she is not dead, but sleeping. And they laughed at him, knowing that she was dead. But taking her by the hand, saying, Child, arise. And her spirit returned, and she got up at once. And he directed that something should be giving, given to her to eat. And her parents were amazed, but he charged them to tell no one what had happened. Now Jesus says here he's, she's dead. She's not dead, but she's sleeping. I don't really know exactly what that means. Like I know between 2,000 years ago and the modern medicine we have today, like dead then is very different from possibly dead now. Let me give a shout out to my friends and colleagues in fire, EMS, and emergency rooms everywhere. <laughs> you know, we see that and we're like challenge accepted. I think for Jesus it meant God defines the time, the circumstances of our death. God defines it. Not us, not people, not the family who said, oh, she's dead, she's gone. God defines that for us. And Jesus says to the little girl, he grabs her hand and says to the little girl, child, arise. It's interesting that that word arise is used another time in the Bible. You guys all heard the story of Jonah and the whale? He says arise to Jonah and then the whale spits him out on the beach. And there's debate with Jonah and the whale. Was Jonah really dead? Was he alive inside the whale? And he uses the same word for Jonah as he does for this little girl, arise. Now, Jonah, it's really a weird story because Jonah's attitude, even after that happened, was not awesome. But Jonah changed the world after the whale spit him out. It's really curious to see. This might be one of the things I ask God when I get to heaven. Like, what did this little girl do? Because Jonah changed the world after God told him to arise. I wonder what she did. I'm telling her story about what Jesus did for her defended him, served people. Like, wonder what she did to change the world. And by grabbing that little girl's hand, he made himself unclean again by touching a dead body. But Jesus has power over unclean, and he has power over death. 
And imagine being sick. Things like you just get sick and you feel worse and worse and worse. And you see the worried looks on your parents' faces, the worried looks on the doctor's faces. And you just start thinking, like, am I, is this it? Am I going to die? Is this all, is this my future? And she goes to sleep according to what Jesus says. And she hears Jesus' voice, arise. And she wakes up, and Jesus is sitting there smiling at her. Her parents are crying. This little girl who, according to society, really had very little value. And Jesus is like, arise. He valued her so much. So much. And it's a small detail in the story, but he immediately told the family, like, go get her something to eat. He valued her nutrition. He wanted to make sure that she got strong. She probably was sick for a while or, and hadn't eaten anything for a while. And Jesus is like, yeah, you got to get her something to eat. He valued her needs because she has value. And with a woman, he did publicly. He healed, she was healed publicly. He spoke to her publicly. But here he charged them, don't tell anybody what happened. Jesus isn't in it for, he wasn't there for glorifying himself. He wasn't there to post stuff on social media if they had it in the day. Look what I did. Look what I did. The family thought it was awesome. I healed this little girl. He kept it between the little girl and her parents and his disciples. Like, I value them so much that we're going to keep this quiet because I don't want undue attention placed on them. But I value them and healed her because of their value. I know circumstances are different for all of us. And maybe some of us can relate to the woman. We need healing. Physical stuff, stuff from our past, emotional stuff, just hurts, things, sins that we've done or uh, addictions we're battling that nobody else knows about. And just like, God, I need healing. I need healing. I need healing. God values you, and he wants to heal you. Or maybe stuff going on with us like the little girl. We're just dead. There's a part of us that's dead. Maybe we feel like God let us down. And we show up to church, and we talk the Christianese, and we do the thing, but inside, we feel nothing. Or we have a sin that we're battling, and we're like, we don't even pray about it anymore. We don't even ask God to forgive us when we screw up. We just keep on letting it roll with us. Maybe something happened traumatic. mechanism as 
anger or just unable to process the hurt. Just, just, just don't ask for healing anymore. Don't ask for help anymore. We think about it, we just get mad. We don't turn our eyes to Christ and wipe our back. I just want you guys to know. There's things that might be going on in your heart where Jesus is telling you, arise. Arise, son. Arise, daughter. Arise. Or just keep seeking me and you'll be healed. Might not understand how the whole process, but he wants to heal us. you so much. He values you just as much as the people that Jesus healed when he was here on this earth. He wants to heal you. He wants you to arise. He wants to bring back to life those things in our hearts that might be dead. Because he values you and he loves you. Lord God, I just thank you so much for how much you love us, how scandalous it is to think that you love us so much that you would die for us so we could have a relationship with you. Lord, I pray, Lord, just the things that might be dead in our hearts, that we just ask you to raise it up in us, to arise, Lord, to bring those things back to life, Father. Where we need healing, Lord, I pray you just heal us, Father. And Lord, just... We just thank you in advance for the work that you do in us, the work that you're doing in us, and that for who we're going to be and how much we're going to know you and understand you in the future, Lord. Amen.